0: We continue in our series, Slammed How to Deal with Suffering, the Inevitable Seasons of Suffering in Our Lives. So join me in prayer. Let's ask God to speak to us today. That's our prayer uh, every week that you would speak to us. Our minds are uh, alert, open, our hearts are soft. We want to hear what you would say to us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A few years back, uh, several of us from City Church traveled to Managua, Nicaragua, uh, where we were considering a partnership with an organization called Orphan Network. And while we were there, our friend and president of Orphan uh, Network, his name's Dick Anderson, uh, took us to La Shreka, which is a uh, very interesting place La Shreka is the garbage dump for over 2 million people living in the capital city of Managua the smell is horrid you could imagine your eyes burn from the smoke that comes from the incessant small fires that are around as far as you can see are the effects of extreme poverty people are actually living in this massive garbage dump they lived there i was utterly shocked i saw children rummaging through the trash looking for anything to sell or eat or maybe play with mothers and fathers stared with a sad hopeless faces there are no jobs there is no medical care there is no government help there is no hope just suffering and my sobering experience there reminded me that People are slammed with suffering all over the world. About half of American adults want to know, when asked, want to know, why does God allow suffering? We want to be able to reconcile why 86 million children under the age of five are malnourished in South Asia and 32 million in sub-Sahara Africa. It's hard to understand why, in third world countries, 37,000 children die every day of measles and diarrhea and malaria pneumonia and malnutrition, diseases easily preventable. When earthquakes hit, like the one that hit this past week in Italy, or, or there are floods or tornadoes or hurricanes or other natural disasters that claim thousands of lives and displace tens of thousands, we wonder why. Hatred and prejudice and violent ideologies pit man against man, nation against nation, murdering, enslaving, robbing. There's so much evil and people suffer. That's why philosopher and atheist Nietzsche reasoned, God is the greatest immoralist in deeds that has ever existed. Harsh words. In other words, if there is suffering, then God is immoral because he let it happen. The logic goes something like this. If there is a God, and that God is a God of love, and that God of love, if he is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful and can do anything, then it stands to reason that God can eliminate all of this evil and all of this suffering. And he will because he wants to because he's a God of love. He loves human beings. But since suffering does exist, God does not. Theologian Dr. Peter Kreff writes, the strongest argument for atheism has always been the problem of evil and suffering. And you gotta admit, it's a a logical argument. For some, it's a compelling argument. It's hard to reconcile a loving, omnipotent God who can fix things and he can do anything, but he allows suffering. It's easy to see why suffering can sabotage anyone's faith. And unfortunately for us, whether, you know, it's an unexpected tragedy or an incurable disease or a broken relationship or a psychological disorder or a financial crisis, at some point we all get slammed by inevitable seasons of suffering. And while most of us are not atheists, if we are intellectually honest, we have the same questions. God, you could heal my disease, but you don't. You could tame my addiction, but you haven't. You can calm my fears, but I'm still afraid. You could remove my depression. You could fix my family. You could get me out of, this, of the dungeon of pain and suffering, but you don't. Why? Well, here's what Jesus had to say about suffering. And here's the background. Jesus uh, was just days from his own death. He was prepping his disciples uh, for his departure when in unison they affirmed their faith in Jesus. That Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. This is what they believed. I mean, they had seen Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead, and turn water into wine, and many more things. It was just logical for them to believe. They believed based on what they had seen. But Jesus knew that not only was He about to suffer and die, He knew that they too would suffer. And when they suffered, their faith would be tested. So, Jesus asked them a rhetorical question. He said, uh, Jesus asked, do you finally believe? More literally translated, uh, we go something like this. You believe for now, question mark? The rhetorical question has an obvious answer. Yes, we believe. We just told you we believe. We just told you that you are the son of God. But Jesus was concerned about the disciples' faith remaining strong when this inevitable season of suffering intensified, which it would in a matter of hours. So Jesus had some sobering words. He he delivered the bad news. Verse 32, he writes, he says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here Now It is here now. And this is important for some of you because you've had suffering in the past. Some of you have dealt with that or there's gonna be suffering in the future. We don't look forward to that. But the truth is some of you are suffering right now in the here and now. That's what Jesus was saying to the disciples. The time is coming and indeed it is here right now. And then he says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows you will suffer. In the Greek language, trials and sorrows is just one word, the word ellipsis, and it's, it's this narrow place that hems you in with no way out. Like a blacksmith using a vice. A vice grips an object so that it cannot move while it's being worked on or hammered on. So I ask you this question. Has suffering ever gripped you so tightly that you cannot move? and you're being hammered on trials and sorrows. Again, Jesus was concerned about the disciples' faith. They were about to be hammered on themselves. He was concerned about their faith. What would it do to their faith? And I'm concerned about yours. Maybe you're like the disciples, you believe for now But when your marriage suffers and emotional pain has you gripped so tightly you cannot move, will it sabotage your faith? You believe for now, but when the pregnancy test is negative, again, will your faith falter? You believe for now, but when you've been abandoned in a relationship, will your faith, will it remain strong? You believe for now, but when the doctor says, another round of chemo. What will happen to your faith? You believe for now, but when you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've prayed, but God seems distant, he's remained silent, will you turn from your faith? You believe for now, but then suffering comes, and suffering can sabotage anyone's faith, especially those with lingering, unanswered questions about why God allows suffering in the first place. So let me ask you a question. Uh, Do you have a well-reasoned faith that can withstand life's most brutal storms? Or is your faith easily shaken when you're slammed by suffering? So what I want to do, I want to see if we can connect the dots and logically answer the question, why would a loving God allow suffering? And I think if we can answer this question, it could strengthen our faith. So the argument goes something like this. God is a God of love. God is love. And because God is love, he wants uh, an intimate relationship with us. He wants to love you, and he wants you to love him. Do you want your children to love you? Yes? Y'all out there? We want our children to love us, we do. God wants his children to love him. Now, to have this intimate relationship with God, to have this love relationship, necessitates something. It necessitates free will, the choice to love him. Otherwise, we as human beings would just be robots, programmed to love God, kinda like I love you, you love me, do you love me? Who wants a robot pre-programmed to love you? That is not authentic love. True intimacy requires free will, the choice to love. Therefore, God created human beings with this gift, the gift of free will so we could choose to obey him and choose to love him. That's part of what it means to be created in the image of God, We have choice. Well, here's what really sucks about that. <laughs> Inherent in the gift of free will is the possibility that we will choose not to obey and not to love. And that's exactly what happened when the first human beings, Adam and Eve, abused the gift of free will when they chose to disobey God, and it ruined intimacy with God. They chose evil, and as a result of that choice, evil and suffering entered into the world. God's not going to take it back, the gift of free will. He will not take back that gift just because human beings did not choose intimacy with him. God still does not want... Robots. He loves us, he loves you, and he wants you to love and worship him. So it may seem a bit paradoxical at, at first, but good logic says that suffering does not disprove God. It's evidence he wants an intimate relationship with us. So to summarize, how could a loving God allow suffering? God loves us so much, He gave us the gift of free will. But free will was, and still is, abused. Therefore, evil remains. The innocent become victims. The strong oppresses the weak. Good is eclipsed by evil, and bad things happen to good people. People suffer. We may not like the end result of this, but the logic says, people will hurt and they will suffer. The question becomes, is there any hope? So listen to what Jesus said to the disciples as they were about to face their own inevitable season of what would become very severe suffering. Jesus said, uh, John 16, He said, I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, slipless, being caught in a, in a vice with no way out. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So here's what we can glean from Jesus' words. God promises his presence In suffering, the Father is with me. Now, let's don't pass by this too quickly. This is significant, friends. Children want a parent to walk in with them on the first day of kindergarten. It brings them comfort. They want to hold your hand in the dark. They want to climb up in your lap when they are frightened. They want your presence. And Jesus said, I will be with you. God sees you when you hurt, and when you hurt, God hurts. And he wants intimacy with you. I will be with you. Second thing he told the disciples, God promises his peace. In suffering, you may have peace in me. Now, I have some friends who travel to some very dangerous places in the world to serve the poor, do missionary work, all kinds of things like that. And these folks are so brave, and every now and then they ask me if I want to go, and I say, no. <laughs> I, honestly, I've actually felt guilty before because I guess I'm just not brave. But two years ago in July, I was in Liberia. We were actually there on the ground when the Ebola virus broke out. You should have seen how people were responding, especially Americans, even Christians. Thousands scared to death trying to get out of the country when these people were in need. Everyone was afraid. It's understandable. It really was. But I was not afraid. I had this strange inner peace and courage about being there. While other teams were leaving, I told our team I think we need to stay and we did stay. To the end of our trip, we completed our trip and the Liberians will never forget not in a million years there was a small group of followers of Christ who stayed. You may not have peace and courage about a situation until you are in the situation. But when you are, God's peace is there. It is unfathomable, it is powerful, it pours courage back into your life at just the right time. Why? God sees when you hurt. And when you hurt, God hurts. And he wants to be intimate with you. And when you need it, he gives it. You need courage, you need peace, you need his presence. God promises his presence, God promises his peace, and God secures your future. Jesus said, take heart, which means be courageous. And in the Greek, there's a a mood here, it's called an imperative, which means it's a command. In other words, choose courage. You say, well how can I choose courage when I don't feel courage? You can choose courage because God is with you today. You can choose courage because his peace is in you today. And you can choose courage because God has secured your future We live for another day. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. My presence and my peace. And I have overcome the world. You'll like this. The the Greek word for overcome is the word Nikeo. We get our word Nike, like Nike shoes. And this is this is interesting. Nike was the Greek God of victory, but Jesus is the one and only great God of victory. And here's how it works. When Jesus suffered and died on the cross and three days later resurrected, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He forgave every sin, he made a way to heal every disease, Jealous Jews tried to get rid of him. The Romans crucified him. Pilate put him in a tomb of solid rock formation. But not the Jews and not the Romans and not Pilate and not even Satan and his horde of demons could keep Jesus in the grave. Early Sunday morning, April the 7th, we think, 33 AD, Jesus got on up out of that grave and proclaimed, Nike, I have overcome the world. Because Jesus overcame, you cannot be separated from the love of God. Because of Jesus' victory, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. Because of Jesus' triumph, even if suffering torpedoes your life and kills you dead, your future with God in heaven is secure. His presence is with you today. His peace is in you today. And we live for another day. God sees. He sees when you hurt. And when you hurt, He hurts. But He'll walk with you through the suffering. It won't destroy your faith. It will build your faith. Now, the following is a very difficult story for me to tell. My maternal grandparents uh, served God their whole lives. Uh, Grandpa pastored these little Baptist churches all over Central and uh, South Texas. They were hard-working people. They supported mission causes, serving the poor and orphans, all that kind of thing, and they just served very faithfully. I don't think that grandpa ever made $20,000 in one year. Talk about about living for another day, what mattered to him. But after retiring, a church here in town allowed them, my grandfather and grandma, to live in a parsonage. A parsonage is a church that's owned, is is a home that's owned by the church. So God was really taking care of them, they lived there free. But then in their 80s, one evening they settled in to watch TV before going uh, to bed when the electricity went out. And to make a terrible story short, a man had cut off the power outside, kicked in the side door, broke into their home, tied them up, stole a few dollars, violated my grandmother, and left them tied up and helpless. Talk about asking God why. God never promised there would be no suffering. When you hurt, he hurts. God was watching. My mom told me that grandma had been tied up with a telephone cord that had been yanked from the wall. In fact, back in those days before cell phones, right, you had a phone in the wall, and the whole phone had been torn out of the wall. Grandma eventually, after the perpetrator left, got free and was able to call the police. What no one could figure out was how grandma called the police from a phone that was not connected. But she did. God was watching. And when you hurt, he hurts. And incredibly, my grandparents' faith remained intact. And when my grandfather Died a few years after that, and then after that, my grandmother uh, passed away as well. My brother Rob, who's also a pastor, did grandma's funeral. And I'll never forget Rob mentioning how all the possessions they'd accumulated over their long life fit in one small corner of our garage. They live for another day. A day when Jesus, their savior, would eliminate all suffering and injustice and declare, Nike, I have overcome the world. When you hurt, God hurts. But God is watching. And you can trust that. You can trust him. You know, there's a a story in the scriptures where, where someone who needed faith said, uh, help my unbelief Ask Jesus just help me Because the truth is we got all kinds of things going on in our lives And things that don't make sense to us And wonder why God allows us and does this But right now In this moment I want to ask God To increase our faith So that we can Trust in him and he, he, He's got this Whatever's going on in your life, he's got this. I don't know if he's going to work it out and do a miracle or if things are going to get worse. I don't know, but I do know this. He promises his presence. He promises his peace. And we don't just live for today, friends. We live for another day. So God, increase our faith. Let me pray for you. Father, I know that there are some who are in the here and now, they're they're going through suffering right now. As Jesus told the disciples, it is now, the time is upon us. I pray, Father, that you would help people actually know in their minds and feel in their hearts, their soul, your presence and your peace, and I ask on their behalf that you would do a miracle, that you would fix something or rearrange something or orchestrate something. And I know in some cases that's exactly what you do. For some of us who are going through our own suffering, we also need your help just to help us walk through it. And increase our faith we will trust in you increase the faith of everyone here father every broken heart increase our faith for we will trust in you and I pray this in Jesus name Amen so just remain standing just for a moment and uh, that that really is your assignment this week to say, God, increase my faith. I will trust uh, in you. Next week, we're, uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to have fun next week. We're going to talk about when it sucks to be you. And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't think my mom liked that title. But anyway, uh, it's, it's a cool story uh, from the Old Testament. And looking forward uh, to that. Here's what we're going to do. In a few moments, our prayer team is going to uh, be down front. Why don't y'all go ahead and come on. Uh, right now, our prayer team here, and uh, to serve you. Don't leave this place today without um, praying with someone. If you have that need or you want to talk to someone, we appreciate our prayer team uh, serving us uh, in that way. So will I see you here next week? Yes? All right.